Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I tell you, that Daniel Namod, he sure knows how to write a good tune. <laughs> I remember uh, the first time I ever heard that song was at actually my spiritual center in North Hollywood. Gosh, 12 years ago. Well, more than that, actually, maybe 15. Gosh, almost. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, he just, it was just this moment towards the end of the celebration that day, and he just sat down at the keyboard, and he was the guest musician that day at our center, and he just saying this song, I was like, <gasps> it just spoke to my heart. Get ready, my soul. There's a story I want to start with today. Some of you may know this story. There was a man named George Danzig, and he was a doctoral student at uh, UC Berkeley back in almost a century ago now. And in 1939, he arrived late to one of his classes. And he gets into class, and he sees on the blackboard two equations. And he just looked and jots them down, because he's thinking, oh, gosh, I'm late to class. That must be the homework, right? So he takes those home, doesn't think any of it, he doesn't think anything of it, he takes them home, and he solves these equations, and he brings them in, and he turns them into the professor, and the professor is gobsmacked, because <gasps> he has solved these equations. But what the professor had done, unbeknownst to George Danzig, is he had put these equations on the blackboard as examples of equations which had up until then been unsolvable. I love it. It, 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 it. That's actually kind of the seed. You, you ever see the movie Goodwill Hunting? That was actually a seed for that story. And when I think about that story, I, I ask myself, and I'm going to ask you this question in relationship to that story and just thinking for yourself for just a moment. What would you be able to do if you didn't know it was impossible? What problems might you solve if you didn't know that the problem was unsolvable? I think about that question because how much have we taken on into our lives that we have deemed impossible or, impossible or unsolvable? And we have decided that that is going to be the expression and experience of our lives now. What would you do if you didn't have that knowledge? The greater question, perhaps, is this, who or what taught us to believe that on some level we are less than, that we are unable to experience and solve the unsolvable, to experience and make possible the impossible? Who taught us that? What taught us that? And then for me, the natural follow-up question is, irrespective of who or what taught us that, what am I willing to do about it right now? What am I willing to let go of that I thought was impossible or unsolvable in my life? What can I do? Let it go. 
This is the final Sunday of the month, a month where the theme has been light. And I've talked a lot about different aspects of the way light shows up and how we can be enlightened. And last week I talked about the other side of light, which, pers- which we may look at as darkness, but it's just polarity. You know, there's, there's actually no such thing as light and darkness. There is only that which is, which is who and what we are. So I've been talking all about light this month. There was someone who experienced and expressed as light that has had a profound effect on this entire world, and that is the way shower Jesus. Jesus said some very telling things, and I know I referred to this back on the first Sunday of this month, but I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 5. This is verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, from a metaphysical standpoint, this idea of giving glory to Father who is in heaven is giving glory to that infinite creative nature that is at the core of each and every one of us. For heaven is a state of mind. And so as we allow ourselves to experience the glory of this thing called light and express that light profoundly, we become the way showers ourselves to shift and change the world. And this is directly tied to... uh, a passage in John chapter 8, verse 12, where he said, I am the light of the world. He wasn't talking about just himself, clearly, because in the Beatitudes, he said, you are the light of the world. He was saying, let us begin to recognize more profoundly the truth of our being, the understanding of who we are deeply, deeply. Let us go deeper, deeper, deeper than we've ever been before. There is a parallel, actually, to this in the Bhagavad Gita. In this, Krishna speaks, out of compassion, I destroy the darkness of their ignorance. From within them, I light the lamp of wisdom and dispel all darkness from their lives. Now, when Krishna speaks and speaks these words of truth, Krishna is saying the I am is the infinite understanding that we are all whole, we are all one. So he's not saying, I am the one who dispels the darkness. No, he's saying we are the infinite I am is the thing that dispels the darkness. Are you willing, this is my question to you, are you willing to accept that today more profoundly than perhaps ever before? Here I go. Deeper, deeper deeper than I've ever been before. Here I go, closer, closer, closer to my sacred source. There is no aspect of your being that is not holy light. And when I say holy, I mean both versions of the word, 
holy, meaning whole. Your wholeness is light and holy, the divine nature that is you. There is no aspect of your being that is not holy light. Every cell of your body is holy light. This is the truth of your being. This is your innate nature, which then makes me think about that question earlier. At what point did you forget that? And who might have taught you that that may not be so? Because it's only when we forget that nature, it's only when we forget that nature that discord shows up in our lives. That seeming sense of separation from the wholeness, that seeming sense of of separation from the holy is the very thing that allows us to move into the spaces of challenge in life. When we remember who we are, remember that, love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. When we remember who we are, we overcome all things that seem impossible, all things that seem unsolvable. So I've been reading this book, and I know I've been mentioning this book, I think every week, uh, almost, called The Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy. And he wrote this beautiful thing uh, that felt very uh, prescient for me today uh, as I was considering putting this together. He wrote this, the truth of our situation, simply put, is that we are geniuses with amnesia. We are geniuses with amnesia. We have literally forgotten who we are and in doing so have disconnected from our vast creative powers for consciously shaping and co-creating reality. In other words, we've forgotten who we are. And so our work becomes remembering who we are. Our only path The only path I'm really at the core ever talking about on every single Sunday that I'm up here is the path to consciously reveal our inherent light. As we remember, and the thing is, those, those three things, love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. If you actually start with the third thing, the other two things actually come naturally. If you remember who you are, you cannot help but love only. You cannot help but forgive everything. Remember who you are, for me, is the most important aspect of our teaching. Remembering who we are is knowing that there is absolutely no separation. There is only God, this greatness on demand. And that is our identity. You know, we used to talk a lot about being one with God. We used to talk a lot about being one, you know, of the... Here's the thing. If we are going to claim this as our core identity, we can no longer say we are one with or we are one as even. We are that very power and that very presence at the level of our expression and understanding of it. And so why not broaden our expression? Why not broaden our understanding of it so that we live more magnificently from the core of that as our light? Our only path is to consistently and constantly reveal our inherent light. And it's a paradox. Because if we didn't know our limitations, like George Danzig solving those problems, if we didn't know 
what we perceive to be limitations, we would just shine our light, wouldn't we? Paul Levy also wrote this, realizing that we have been unconsciously complicit in dreaming a self-limiting dream is the first step in taking our power back. The first step in taking our power back is realizing that we have been unconsciously complicit in dreaming a self-limiting dream. The only reason limitations show up in our experience is because we have adopted them and accepted them in our minds and in our hearts. We are so much more. Here I go. Deeper, deeper, deeper than I've ever been before. When we take our power back, when we shine our light, and I'm going to say we must shine our light without apology. When we shine our light without apology, we become beacons to others to do the same thing. Again, it's like the peace candle, which I say every week. It is reflective of that inherent peace that resides in our heart that can never be extinguished. And as we align ourselves with that holy truth, we live the life of peaceful intention, the life of peaceful action. So there are two parts to this. First of all, we must detach from thinking that we are less than. Let it go. Let it go. That's number one. Number two is this very thing I'm talking about, shining our light and becoming an ambassador of vision. Today's message title is Ambassadors of Vision. Are you an ambassador of vision? Are you? Just check in with yourself. What does that mean to be an ambassador of vision? What it means to me is to say that I am willing and I am stepping into the willingness at all times to let go of my perceived limitations and shine my light. Levy also wrote this, where we place our attention nourishes or starves our minds. Where we place our attention nourishes or starves our minds. So it's a call to each and every one of us to say, where am I placing my attention? Am I placing my attention on the seeming brokenness and upholding the idea that it must continue to remain broken? Or am I placing my attention on the light and recognizing that in the seeming brokenness that it is the light that heals? We can starve our minds so easily and let it limit our experience of life. Detaching is knowing we are not limited. Now, here's the thing about detachment, because, you know, some people think, oh, I'm going to detach. Maybe that means I need to become a monk and go up to the hill and sit on the hill, and I am now detached. Detachment doesn't mean you don't own anything. It means nothing owns you. That's what detachment means. Detachment is releasing the limitations of circumstance so that our light can no longer be blocked. This opens up within us a path to be an ambassador, to be a beacon, not in a coercive way. I'm not out there, I'm like, no, I'm not gonna go now. I'm a, I'm a light, so should you be, right? 
not being coercive in any way, but in a way that becomes so appealing, we become so appealing that others are inspired to shine their own inner light themselves. Being an ambassador of vision, of this vision is important. Now, we are not proselytizers. We do not proselytize within this philosophy. It's not part of our path. Here's the thing I always like to say. You're not going to see me going down to 4th Avenue and being like, carrying a Bible saying, you are not a sinner. (laughs) You are love and nothing else. You are the light. You're never going to see me doing that. But if you ask me, I will shine my light thoroughly when I'm walking down 4th Avenue, and people may go, ooh, look at that light, right? (laughs) And then they may inquire, you seem so happy all the time. Yeah, because I know who I am. We are all ambassadors of vision. Ambassadorship in this path is finding and celebrating the ways in which we are all, each and every one of us, connected, connected to all that is, to all creation, to every single person we encounter, whether we like them or not. That's a tough one, isn't it? Right? And here's the thing about that. We don't have to like everybody. (gasps) What? But we do have to love everybody. I want to talk about an ambassador of vision, and I'm probably, I'm looking at my countdown clock, I'm like, this may be a slightly longer talk. (laughs) Just a little bit. I want to talk about an ambassador of vision, a guy named Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis was an accomplished musician. Do you know who Daryl Davis was? No, and here's the thing, nobody knows him from his music. But this is somebody who played with Chuck Berry, he played with B.B. King, Jerry Lee Lewis, and many, many, many others. He actually is still, uh, he, he, he is still on this plane of action. His fame came to him in another way. This is a man who befriended a guy named Roger Kelly. Roger Kelly was a grand wizard in the Ku Klux Klan. Now, Daryl Davis was a black man. They developed a friendship over the course of many years. They broke bread at each other's tables. They welcomed each other into their homes. Daryl Davis even participated, well, didn't participate, he attended, I shouldn't say he participated. He attended KKK rallies as a guest of Roger Kelly. Here's what was important. Through their association and the friendship that they developed, Davis cultivated an atmosphere of listening. Not trying to say, you are wrong, but listening. There was no, I hate him because he hates me. There was none of that. Davis listened. He listened. And you know what ended up happening? Eventually, Roger Kelly listened. What they discovered in listening are the things that they had in common. And their perceived differences no longer mattered. Roger Kelly, through this experience, ended up denouncing the KKK, gave his robe and hood to Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis's work has led to more than 200 Klan members 
denouncing the KKK and giving their robe and hood to him. This is someone who, in remembering who he is, being love only, forgiving everything, and actively listening, developed a way to be an ambassador of a vision of a world that works for everyone. Daryl Davis changed the world, not through compulsion, but through compassion. Love conquers hate every single time. Every single time. So let us all begin to look within our own hearts and ask ourselves, who do I choose to be moment by moment? Do I choose to be an ambassador of vision? And what does that mean? And what does that show? How does that show up for me? Am I choosing to shine my light in a compassionate way that allows me to be present with things that are challenging? to be able to be someone who listens, and in that listening, develop a deeper understanding of the things that, are inter that make us connected, those things that are interconnected and recognizing the interconnectedness of the whole. In this, we can all start blessing and stop stressing. We can work to create a new normal a new normal. Because here's the thing, there is no normal. There is no normal. There's only the thing that we have normalized in this moment. That's it. But we can consistently unfold, creating a new normal. We can never go back to before. We can only create what will be. So let go of those things, those limitations, those ideas that perhaps are no longer serving you and welcome yourself as an ambassador of vision to allow yourself to be the infinite light, to teach and pray and be the light that Jesus said we all are. In what way will you be an ambassador of vision? Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent. Now comes time for the homework. And I want to acknowledge it was not William who I saw. So, I, so last week I talked about someone saying that they had gone into a center and uh, they've met somebody who was there and that this person was leaving and said, I can't stay here because uh, they want you to work on yourself, right? Um, that was actually Diane who told me that. <laughs> Diane Christie, one of our board members. Sorry, I wanted to give credit where credit was due, so thank you for that. Here's the homework. Spend time looking at your life. That's kind of always the homework, right? Spend time looking at your life. And uh, check in to see if anything seems off kilter. And if anything seems off kilter, number one, let yourself off the hook for those things. Let yourself off the hook. Because here's the thing, it's all related to past stuff. You are living in this present moment. As you let yourself off the hook, something new opens up to be expressed. And reframe your mind, your heart, to a new acceptance. A new acceptance. And what I want you to do in this observation this week is, you don't have to do it in a journal, but I am going to encourage you to get out a piece of paper. <laughs> Write out a vision statement for your life. 
write out a vision statement for your life. A vision statement provides inspiration for direction. Write out a vision statement for your life and then post it somewhere where you can see it and ask yourself the question, am I living this every single day? Find some language that sparks something for you in that as well. That's the homework. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.